0: We're going to be in Acts chapter 27 today. Micah, I've got a couple pictures on the sermon slides. Put those up. Waiting, waiting, loading, 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 loading. loading. Perfect. Well, they'll come up when they come up. guys. It's good to see you. Still loading? All right, we'll move on. It's just the best part of my sermon, but that's all right. It's all downhill from here. It's gonna be great. Uh, Let's read uh, Acts chapter 27. We're gonna start in verse 13 through the end of the chapter. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Kata. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supporters to undergird the ship, then fearing that they would run aground on the c- uh, citrus, they lo- lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard in their own, with their own hands." When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors for the bow, for the bow, excuse me, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The the bow, (laughs) I can do this, the bow (laughs) stuck and remained immovable and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land." Quite a story here, Uh, blow by blow if you will, of a storm and a shipwreck. I think as we read this uh, chapter, uh, I find uh, myself this week uh, considering this reality of the fact that we all face storms in life. But I was amazed, I think, and maybe you are too, at even how Paul handled these storms, Uh, the perspective that he brought into the storms, right? Uh, We see that, you know, this reality in understanding uh, that the Jewish people, the Israelites, had a a perspective of the sea, Uh, a perspective of the sea, that the the sea was this uh, chaotic, out-of-control part of creation unable to be tamed, uh, that, that it was a place where evil kind of dwelt, right? Uh, the Jews and Israelites in general tried to stay away from the seas, not that they wouldn't ever venture out, but there was this great respect and concern and fear of the sea because of its chaos, because of its, uh, uh, our inability to control it. This is part of what I think, you know, when we look back at the Jonah story, Jonah gets called by God to go to Nineveh to share the gospel with this this evil nation, this evil city. And and, and Noah says, no, I don't want to do that. And he's got his reasons for that, which we won't get into. But instead of doing, following God's will, he goes to the sea. Shocking, I think, when you understand the perspective that he would have had of the sea, yet he felt it was better for him to go into the chaos of this unknown realm, of this evil place where who knows what could happen, and there was no chance he could control it instead of following God's plan. With this perspective, it's amazing as well that we see Jesus, when he's on earth, step into the storms the uh, the story in mark chapter 4 verses 37 to 41 where he gets in the boat with his disciples and they go out and the storm whips up and he's laying sleeping in the midst of the storm and his disciples are fearing for their lives, and they finally roused up, you know, Jesus, hey, don't you even care if we're going to die? And, and then he gets up and says, oh, you have little faith. And then he speaks to the wind and the waves, and they immediately go calm. This would have been, I think, a bit shocking, not just the fact that the wind and the waves were calmed, but that this, this place that could not be controlled was immediately came under submission to Jesus's authority. While certainly we have a different perspective of the seas and the oceans today, although I will say as a uh, uh, western Washingtoner, I am uh, very happy to not be around the water. Uh, If it ever pools together in a place, I usually am going to avoid that place other than to maybe watch a sunset or a sunrise on it. (laughs) Uh, I do not like the water. I don't like to swim. You know, everybody has pools. Hey, you want to come over and swim? No, I don't want to come over and swim. Uh, (laughs) If you want me to come over and sip some iced tea on your deck, that's fine. Let's do it. You know, not a problem. However, my wife, she'll jump in the pool. She loves the water. She's a California girl though. So there's a difference. Uh, Anyway, so, you know, we have, you know, the water is not seen as this chaotic, evil kind of uncontrollable place anymore in general. However, there are still storms in our life. There's storms all around us. There's, uh, there's places where evil seems to reign, where chaos seems to be everywhere, and certainly we have be- see that in our world, especially again over the last few years. Uh, The the, the absolute chaos and tension and division that we've seen over the last few years in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our nation has has been unbelievable. It's something that we, I think, uh, as Americans, weren't really that used to. It was out there. We knew it existed, but it's become so personal to us. We've seen it so closely. So this is a reality that there are still places in the world where we view that that, that's a place that's out of control. It's untamed. It's a place of pain and disruption. These modern-day storms include conflict, personal conflicts, disaster and sickness, war, even just simple things like accidents and abuses. Anywhere God's kingdom is not reigning can be seen as... A sea can be seen as a place of chaos, can be seen as a place where the storms rule. So we see Paul as he steps into this storm, if you will. As he, he experiences this storm, this very real weather event on the Adriatic Sea, right? On the Mediterranean. He's, he's in this boat and he's at the mercy of the waves. And it's amazing to see how he handles it, noticing that he, there's no sign of fear in Paul. You know, I I, I think maybe as uh, if I was Paul, and I, I you know was out in the ocean or in the sea, and the storm came on that was threatening my life, I th- I think I would have a tendency to begin thinking about how I got here. And then I'd be start second-guessing. You know, should I, should I, should I have appealed to Caesar? Right? Maybe that was a bad idea, right? You know? Uh, maybe that wasn't the plan that I should have stepped into. I, I think if I was in Paul's shoes, I would have begun to doubt whether or not I was actually hearing God's voice. Whether or not I was actually following his, his will. If I was actually following his lead. But Paul, we see none of that. There's no fear. There's no doubt. There's no second guessing. And I think this is a reality that we have to come to as Christians today, understanding that just because we're in the storm doesn't mean that Jesus has left us. We too often equate the storms of life with an absence of God's presence. We equate the storms of life with a, 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 you know, a mistake or a sin that we've done, that, that God is disciplining us in some way. We, we mistake the storms of life as God's judgment or God's disappointment in us. But I think we have to understand that, sure, there are times when we will face the consequences for our sin. But even in those times where he is disciplining us in some way, he is still with us. He is not separated from us. He is not disappointed with us. He is not judging us. He is not pouring out his wrath on us. He loves us. And as Hebrews 12 says, those he loves, he disciplines. He draws them into greater intimacy by saying this is not the way but I think so often we need to recognize it's not even discipline, it's just simply life that we live in. We know we live in a broken world. Sin has wreaked havoc everywhere, not just in relationships, but also in creation. Natural disasters are a result of sin. They're not part of God's original perfect design. And so we have to see, uh, we have to, I think we, we need to try to get rid of this uh, tendency to immediately see the storms of life as being uh, uh, something that is absent of God and that is something that we, we, you know, we've got to try to fix it so that we'll never be in the storm again. Jesus is in the storms and he uses the storms. He uses the storms for his glory, but he also uses the storms for us to help us out. I was reminded uh, this week of uh, uh, I was a football coach for four or five, six years in Richland at, at a middle school. And it and I was reminded of this because, you know, football is, uh, uh, part of the reason I love the game of football is because not only did I play it, but I got to coach it, but I also love the, the constant, every play is a battle. Every play, there is an opportunity for victory or loss. But the great thing about that, you can go, well, well that means I could lose every time. Well, yeah, but it also means you could win every time, right? I think there's every time, to- every play, there's another opportunity to win. Right, and so I I thought about you know my coaching days and and, uh, working with middle schoolers, and I worked in a lower income school with some kids that uh, oftentimes all of their life was just losing. They had they they were not familiar with victory, they weren't familiar with winning, and 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 I remember as a coach sometimes that was the first thing I had to try to do with some of these these uh, players was to help them to imagine the possibility that they could actually win. To get, the in essence, the loser mindset out of them because they were so used to losing, they were so kind of uh, uh, washed in that that they would just sometimes just sit there and they would give up at the moment of pressure, at any kind of little pushback, they would just be done. They would just stop. They would just stop and they wouldn't try. And so I loved how uh, some of these kids, you just you have to figure out which, you know, what caused them to tick, right? Some of them, you kind of had to get in their face a little bit as a coach. And you can imagine this face, right, getting in you. Like, that'd be scary, right? Sometimes you had to kind of get them and kind of draw it out of them. Other times, you just had to have a quiet conversation with them, right? But, but the whole point was that in practice we would begin to give them opportunities to face the tensions and the battles that they're going to eventually face on the field, in the game. But to see that they could win. And that even if they lost, that doesn't mean that they can't win the next time. And I I, I see this as such an important perspective maybe for us in the storms. You know, this reality is that we uh, we have an evil one who desires to destroy us. And oftentimes, when the storms begin to rage around us, we can fall into despair. We can fall into this loser mindset. There's nothing I can do. Uh, Some of you maybe have have most of your life feels like it's been a storm. And and, and so you're just tired of it all. But understand, this. I think the book of Job, right? This book of Job, at the beginning of the book, this is this weird story where, where Satan shows up In the presence of god and says i want and god starts bragging about job like look at job he's just an amazing man of god look at that he's just awesome and and what does satan say i he's only he's only great because you've protected him because you've not allowed anything bad to happen if if anything bad happened he would totally rebel against you and and understand that we see in here a scheme of the state of satan as christians he wants to throw storms in our life in order to cause us to despair and reject Jesus. How many people in their life, well, if God really loved me, why is he allowing this to happen? That is Satan's scheme right there. See? Ha-ha, I told you. Just give them a little bit of tr- you know, pressure, get a little bit of pain, and they immediately reject you. So we have to understand this when the storms of life come. Understand that Satan is trying to lead you into despair. He wants you to reject Jesus. He wants you to begin to question your, your faith in him. Why, why am I believing in God if this is the life that I live? He, that's his strategy. That's what he's trying to do in us. And so we have to see that. But also recognize that in the midst of the storm, Jesus is active and working. The powerful truth of Job is that that Job doesn't reject God. He receives the blessing and the storms and still worships God. The amazing thing is that God can allow the storms of life to come and that he will then use them. He will use them to reveal His faithfulness. Talk to anyone who's walked through a very deep valley and they will come out the other end proclaiming the faithfulness of God in a whole new way. It is in the storm where we are able to recognize actually the depth of God's goodness. We so often think that God's goodness comes through blessings, right, of this world, you know, the, the things, the goodies, the, the easy life. But the true goodness of God, the greatest gifts are the ones that come in the midst of the storm. And it's in the midst of the sto- storm where our areas of unsurrender are exposed And God exposes them through the storm because he knows that more surrender to him will result in a greater life to be lived. Oftentimes, just like as a coach, you try to, uh, as a coach, you try to create moments in practice of great tension over and over and over again so that when those players get in the game, they're not shocked by the battle. And sometimes that's what's happening in the midst of our storms. So how do we survive the storms that come? It's quite simply, we trust Jesus. We praise him. We worship him. It is through worship in the storm, that the, that the Satan's scheme is destroyed. When we worship him, even when we don't understand what he's doing, Satan loses and we win. When we worship him, no matter what comes in our life, no matter whether we get blessing or curses, no matter if we have an easy life or the hardest life ever, whether we continue to live for many, many years and decades or whether our life is short and finished in a second, if we continue to worship him, we always win. And Satan always loses Psalm 28, 6 to 9 is an encouraging word. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In, my, in him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So this is how we handle the storms that rage in our own life. But there's something else that we can do in the midst, with storms because there's a reality that storms also happen all around us. Sometimes it's not a storm that's consumed me. Sometimes we're on the shore looking out and we see the sho- storm raging in the sea. What do we do? What do we do when we see the storms raging? I think a typical mindset, uh, American mindset, and American Christian mindset is to avoid trouble. When we see the troubled seas, we're like, I'm not going that way. I'm going to go this way. That's calm waters over here. Look, at it's beautiful. It's really nice, right? And, and this is typical. This is our mindset. We, we want to avoid the trouble. You know, life is, is difficult enough as it is. You know, why would I go seeking any, any more trouble? Like, I just want to have that easy life, that easier life. The, the easy seas is what I want. We tend to isolate ourselves. And, and this has happened over and over again throughout church history over the last 2,000 years. Where some Christians... Look at the evil world, the chaos that's all around them, and they go, we can't control that. It's out of control. It's just ugly and evil and horrible. And so you know what? The only way to survive is for us to all come in together and just get in our little communes, and we just try to exist together with the outside world shut out. But what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Like of all of the most perfect places in the world and all of creation, where do you think Jesus dwelt before he came to earth? In that place, right? I mean it was it was perfect. It was a perfect place. There was, you know, no trouble, like no sin. I mean everything was great. There's no 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 chaos. Everything was under control. What did Jesus do? He came He stepped in to the chaos. He left his perfect place. He left the calm and stepped in to the danger and the chaos of our world. And why did he do so? To bring peace and security and love. See, the American mindset, the American Christian mindset is too often to avoid the storms of others. But Jesus' mindset is always to engage in the storms of others. To seek to bring calm in their storms as well as ours. The reality of Jesus is that he is seeking to restore all of his creation, That's why he came 2,000 years ago. That's why he died on the cross. He came willingly into the chaos because he said, this is not the way it's supposed to be, and I want to restore it back to the way that we desired it from the beginning, where there is no more storms. But the only way to do that is to bring peace, to bring the calm, to bring the love, to bring the power that I have into the storm and then call down the waves and to call down the winds. Jesus is on a mission to set the entire, uh, all of creation back to the created order the way it was. Certainly that will happen someday in the future, maybe in a moment as we see in Scripture and Revelation and all of that. But there is still a work in process now. It is not just waiting around for someday when Jesus comes back and then he sets it all right. He is working right now in this moment to bring calm to the storms of all people throughout the world. If we are following Jesus, then we are doing the same thing. We follow Jesus into the storms, willingly go, even though it's going to disrupt our life, even though that we're going to be in that boat that's going to be rocking and rolling for a while, even though it's going to, it's going to be painful at times, even though it's not always going to be successful. But we walk into those storms trusting and knowing that the one who has the power to bring calm and peace and security lies lives within us. Matthew chapter 6, you know, that uh, uh, our, his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we're walking in. This is what we're seeking. This is what Jesus is doing. Are you doing it with him? I was reminded of uh, my wife, Debbie. She's so pretty. uh, I've told you guys before, I I struggle with uh, little kids. Uh, I like teenagers, Uh, I like, you know, adults. You guys are amazing, great. Little kids, are very scary to me. Um, (laughs) uh, Prefer, you know, to not be left alone with, you know, especially several of them all at one time. That's very scary to me. Um, And uh, and so there's a lot of tension in that, but especially I, I do not want to be around you know, like bad kids. Um, (laughs) And I am daily amazed at Debbie, who takes the heart of Jesus into the school where she teaches, especially those kids that are really, really (laughs) troubled. The storms are raging and she willingly steps into that storm. And why? Why would you do that? Like, from my perspective, I'm like, no way. But it's so right. This was, I think, part of the principle that drove this nation for many, many decades that we didn't isolate ourselves from the rest of the world because we felt the evangelistic mission to take the blessings that God had given us and to share that with the Lord, to, to take the storms that we had won and brought calm to and take that into the storms of other nations. Now, certainly that mission has been corrupted in all kinds of ways. And I don't wanna equate it with totally with Jesus, but. But understand, this is the idea that we as Christians, we're not, it's not just about making sure that our life, all the storms in our life are taken care of. Like again, that's first of all, not a reality for many of us. Many of us, we're just, it's just the storms are going to come, right? They just keep coming. And that's just a reality. Or if we haven't faced a storm, it's coming sometime. But Just because our life is at peace right now and we're not in the storm doesn't mean, hey, we did it, we're successful, we're done, Oh, oh, heaven on earth right here, look at this, I've got this amazing life and I can just sit back and relax now. No, God, no. Jesus says we still have work to do. The calm that we've experienced is meant for all of humanity, every nation, every city, every people, all around the world. And so we purposefully recognize this reality that we have been called with Jesus into the storms of other people's lives. And we don't stand back and resist it. We don't want to, we don't say, I don't want to get dirty. We say, No, get me dirty. Let's go. Let's jump in because we can bring cleanliness here. We can, we can figure this out. We can bring peace. We can bring calm. We can get the storm ejected. We don't want Satan to win. Why are we going to let him win that storm? No, no, no. Step in so that we can bring worship of Jesus into that place, the love of Jesus into that place, the, the power of Jesus into that place. Matthew 5, 14, maybe you've been thinking about this. (laughs) We are the light of the world. And as lights, we don't set ourselves on a hill. Or excuse me, we do set ourselves on a hill because it cannot be hidden. We're we're not people. We are people who, I can't do this, never mind. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine, where? Before others, in the midst of their storms, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is heaven. They may worship God. Where do you see storms raging around you are you stepping in this is this is what we do until that day when jesus does return and in a moment redeems and transforms all of creation back to the original design Until that day when Jesus comes, the trumpets blare, and he speaks calm to the wind and the storms. We work with Jesus to bring calm today. In the storms that rage in our own life by worshiping Jesus, but in the storms that rage all around us by stepping in and bringing Jesus, bringing the light. Jesus stepped into the biggest of all storms, which is our sin. And because of his willing life, death, and resurrection, he brought calm and security and peace and love to all who bow their knee to Jesus as Lord. And communion reminds us of his work, reminds us of what he's done and gives us an opportunity to once again commit to join him in continuing his mission to calm every storm on the planet. This morning as we take communion, the worship team will come up and they'll play a little bit of instrumental music while you come and receive the elements. I'm going to do things a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to ask that uh, when you come and receive the elements and return to your seat, that you go ahead and hang on to those elements until all have been served. And then I'll come back forward and we'll partake of those elements together. All right. Uh, again, this is an Alliance Church. We practice what's called open uh, communion, so you don't have to be a member of this church or any other Alliance Church. If you are a member of the family of God, then you are welcome to join us for communion this morning. Um, and, um, yeah. So give me a second to get back in the back there, and, uh, and then uh, uh, let's see who uh, who's my... Yeah, Glenn, you want to... Can you take that side over there? Right, okay. Thank you oh lord thank you that you didn't leave us in the storm didn't leave us alone there you didn't leave us to figure it out on our own thank you that you chose to to come and to dwell among us to be with us to to die for us to raise from the dead but well, thank you for your amazing love. The fact is we live in this tension where as believers we've had this, the, the storms within have been calmed in some sense, yet the storms seem to still rage on a t- at times. Lord, help us to, to see... To see you with us, no matter what's happening in our life, no matter what comes, Lord, help us to remain aware of you and your love and your presence with us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not fall into despair, or help us to, to, to not allow our doubt to turn into a lack of faith and trust in you. But in those times when life is really hard and it's storming all around us and we don't understand and it doesn't make sense, Lord, help us to to turn to you, to worship you, to take that step of faith and just proclaim your praises in the midst, to be willing to receive the struggle of life as well as the blessings. But Lord, I I think maybe even more important for us in these days is for you to continue to inspire and motivate us to join you in entering the storms of others. Lord, fight against that tendency within us that wants to avoid trouble, wants to avoid the muck of storms of others. Help us to avoid that tendency to isolate, and instead, Lord, give us such a heart and a passion for others. Give us your heart and your passion for others so that we can join you, or that we would not be a people who enjoy seek to enjoy the kingdom and all its blessings when there are so many that are still not in lord help us to be peacemakers in our world help us to be people who willingly engage in the trouble that others are enduring Help us to continue, Lord, to shine your light for your glory, for your kingdom to be built. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for being here this morning. Uh, if you'd like to continue to worship, uh, as has been typical recently, we'll continue and worship in this room. If you uh, want to continue to worship in fellowship, a different way, <laughs> worship in song in here, worship in fellowship in the fellowship hall. And also some of you, uh, you need prayer today. Uh, whatever's going on, maybe you're in a storm right now. And you need someone to step in with you. Uh, that's what our prayer team is up here for. So please come forward and let us pray for you. Uh, even if it's not a storm, whatever it may be, please come forward. We would lo- Don't do this alone. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to survive and struggle through storms by ourselves or whatever life has for us. So, so come forward. We'd love to pray for you and join you in that. God bless church. Have a great Sunday.